You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Today, we get to learn more about the Hispanic National Convention and Hispanic Ministry in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Joining us today, the Reverend Juan Zamora. He's president of the Hispanic National Convention of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Zamora, welcome to The Coffee Hour. Thanks for having me. Before we even talk about the Hispanic National Convention, I want to learn more about your story. Can you share with us how the Lord worked in your life and led you to becoming a pastor? Yes, I'll begin by sharing with you all that I was raised in a, in a different denomination in Mexico. And when I came to the United States, when I was around the age of almost 16 years old, I pretty much walk away from church. I was doing other things and, and I was not really connected to a church. When I started dating, who is now my wife, she invited me to join her mission or her church. And that was the Lutheran church, a Lutheran mission, actually, that was happening here in Northside Fort Worth and here in Texas. And I was not living in, in, in Texas, actually. I was living in Tennessee, but I was coming to visit friends at least once a month back then. And that's when I met my, who's now my wife. So basically when I started dating her, she invited me to her church and I was okay with that. So I just joined and I started becoming part of that mission and, and, the Lord had a different plan for me and my wife. So we, we start dating. We start coming to that church. And, and that's where we got married. And, and the rest is, is history. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, where, that's basically how I was introduced to the Lutheran church. But I, I find out very interesting to, at least to me, that the pastor has the willingness to sit down and and discuss and, and and give me guidance in my questions for the questions that I have in my, in, in faith. Mm-hmm. How did that journey to you becoming a pastor then? Yes. Well, when I start, well, we we start coming to this mission in Fort Worth, and I saw I was running a business back then, a small business, and and I start seeing a lot of. I mean, the community was new to me as well because I, I, I like I said, I was living in Tennessee, just moved to Texas, got married, and stay in Texas. So, uh, uh, I start working, I start running a business, and I find out the area that the mission was uh, located had a lot of uh, people that really wasn't connected to the church like many other places, right? But but uh, I was really uh, hoping that other people will get and experience what I had received from this mission and was the the opportunity to to learn and to hear a, a pure gospel and 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 understand and how the Lord actually gave us this great news at in Jesus and through Jesus by His Word, I was really amazed with with my experience with the Lutheran Church that I want for others to actually have the same experience. And I was bringing all these ideas to to the pastor back then. I said, Pastor, can, what can, 
can we do this so we can reach out to the community or pastor i have this idea do you what do you think and or let's go and do these things i was really encouraging my pastor back then and other people to do something in the community so we can start be more intentional and and bring in more i mean to to experience the gospel and and the church and the the fellowship i mean all these different things time passed and and actually a a a friend of us and my wife, a friend of my wife and myself was basically saying to us, maybe you have a different calling. Maybe we need to explore in different ways here. And then the pastor and, and this friend of us actually asking us if, if we would like to consider to receive some training, theological training with a church. So we were happy about it, and, and we we took it, and 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 that's how we start connected to these Bible studies, pre-seminary classes, and 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 then we ended up applying for the seminary, and basically my wife and I, my wife is a deaconess, both applied to the seminary, and with and we said to each other, well, if the application gets approved, I think we that's a, a sign for us from the Lord that. To pursue this direction but if not we maybe need to think differently and and help in different ways so it was probably less than amanda with application was approved and with and we thought well i think that's a clear sign so let's mm-hmm. let's move forward and and i i i, I just give you the shorter version of, of all this <laughs> <laughs> what a what a leap of faith! Hmm. I mean, to to both enroll in seminary and and study to serve in the church. So, how has the Lord now given you to serve you and your wife to serve in Texas? Yes. So, we just like I said, we start we 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 submit the application, we receive the okay from the seminary, and the next steps to to follow. But the mission was about to close. Because for different reasons, and we thought, well, maybe, maybe we just got this wrong. Maybe we need to look in different ways. But back then, a a church in Irving, Texas, had an opening position for for the senior pastor, and that's where they were in the process of calling a new senior pastor. So they called someone else to be their senior, and we just find out that this pastor, it's it's was a bilingual pastor. And we thought, well, maybe we need to connect with the church and the pastor. And actually the seminary was okay with that to to have a mentor and maybe asking this new pastor in the area to to help us in that process because otherwise we'll, we'll not be able to continue. We don't have a, a church to be a part of and a mentor in, in a way for, for, for ministry. So we got connected with our Redeemer and Irving. So we have to travel from, from, from Fort Worth to Irving, not only on Sunday mornings for services, but also for, for other activities that we had at church back then. So uh, that's where we got connected with this church. And, and the church basically wasn't promising to us anything. It was more like, yeah, I think we... The church was willing to provide a place for us to to grow and to practice in in a way, but nothing else. And I mean, back then, and 
so when we start working with the church, we have the opportunity to interact with, with other people in the area, the community. We start developing some outreach activities like soccer, like Zumba, like things that attract people to come to church or to be a part of a group and then moving into and to give us the opportunity to present the gospel and, and maybe moving into the church. So we start, we start gaining people in that sense. We start reaching out to people. Some people were adding to our church and and then the church was at the end of our studies they they basically the church offered us to stay at that church i mean to receive the call from that church and and that's where even up up to now we we have been part of that church and in the process we the church has been very gracious to us because they have allowing us both my wife and i to to continue to grow right now that church has the hispanic ministry and and they have been ex- supporting us to expand that same effort to other churches in the area and, and and we have been we had we have we feel very blessed that the lord has been using us my wife and i and, and, a, and a team of people to to open new missions new new places and 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 to continue to reach out to the hispanic community um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's where kind of like in a in a sense a way that the Lord has been working with us and and through us. What are some of those ways you've been able to reach out into the community around you to to serve the people that are in your immediate area? May, may you repeat that? I'm sorry. What are some of the ways that you've been able to reach out into your community? Some of those ways that you've been able to connect with the people in your immediate area? Yes. So basically, we have, I will say this in a very careful way. It depends on the area where I'm at. For example, there is packets of people. For example, we have we have places like Irving, like Grand Prairie, like Dallas. Like I mean, all these different areas have packets of people. Like from pe- there is a packet of people from Argentina, from Mexico, from Central America. So the approach is a little bit different. But but in a, in a sense, we have learned a lot too because every time that we go to a new church or a, a new church trying to expand their services and outreach and ministry to the Hispanic community, we start sensing first the, the ground. Who, who, are, who are these people? I mean, wh- which group it is? Is there anything that we can do to connect with the people? And that's where it comes to either we offer English as a second language classes or we offer exercise classes or like I mentioned just a little bit ago, like programs like soccer. Uh, some of these things actually are the interest from for the people in those areas. And that's where I actually help us to connect with those people and then start developing a relationship. It doesn't take that long. It's, it's for people to trust us because we're representing the church. I, I think there is a, 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 a very short time that we can gain the trust of the people. And that's where when, when we have that trust is where it's, I don't want to say easier, but it's it's more possible for us to share the gospel and to and for them to start asking questions and even got connected to the church. But that's some of the of the ways that we have been able to connect. And there is others. I just mentioned a few, but that's, that's the way that we are working with the community. Today we're talking with the Reverend Juan Zamora, President of the Hispanic National Convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. Learn more about the Hispanic National Convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're learning about the Hispanic National Convention of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Our guest today, the Reverend Juan Zamora. He's president of the Hispanic National Convention of the LCMS. Pastor Zamora, you've shared that just a beautiful story of how the Lord has given you to to pastoral ministry and also as a missionary alongside with your wife serving in Texas and connecting with and engaging the community. How have you also connected with others in Hispanic ministry and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? And how did you get involved with the Hispanic National Convention? Yes, well, I, I it, it goes back to to. The beginning of my ministry, actually, my wife and I were still in the seminary when we received the invitation to be a part of the a Hispanic convention in Orlando. And, and that was uh, probably like 15 years back when we received this invitation through the seminary. And even the seminary was hosting a class in Orlando. So that makes an opportunity for us to travel there, take that class and then stay for the convention. And we just find out very interesting things with, with that first-time experience. I mean, connecting with pastors that from all different parts of the country and just hearing their stories and in many ways very, very helpful for us. We, we can learn from the successes of some ministries. We, we, can, we can learn from the struggles, the failures. I mean, everything that was shared there, it was very beneficial to us. And we find we find it we find it very interesting for us, for my wife and I. So we make a commitment back then to continue to connect with other brothers and sisters in ministry and 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 continue to learn more from them. So I think that was the 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 first experience was very encouraging for us and and to know that is is not just we are not alone in this in this walking of, of faith. I mean, and when I say not alone, I meaning like in, among the Hispanic community, we we just find out that delightful for us. Mm-hmm. So what what is the work of the Hispanic National Convention? Yes, I I I believe that the some of the goals are to. Um, uh, to provide a space for pastors, deaconess, and whoever, I mean, any of the leaders in the Hispanic community to have a time together, to have fellowship, to to have a time to pray for each other, to have a time to learn together, and to follow up on on, on conversations, relationships. Uh, I think provides in provides a great space to encourage each other, learning from each other, and, and sharing ideas, and, and all these opportunities. And I've been part of the the Hispanic National Convention for this is my third term, and 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 I have learned a lot. I mean, even myself. So we every time that we prepare for a convention, we try to we try our best to take it to the next level. I mean, we have a lot of a lot of room to grow still, but every time that we prepare a convention, we try to do our best and even take it to the next level. Uh, 
to have this space and opportunity to connect uh, among pastors and deaconess and leadership in the nation. So when I, what I mean by next level is that every time that we prepare for a convention, we try to look into what will be beneficial for us and to prepare and to encourage our pastors and deaconesses, our leadership, to think through. And I can give a quick and, and, and clear example. So three conventions ago, we tried to do our best in having at least a third or some of our, our topics and workshops in English, because all the conventions is in, is in Spanish. Uh, the one after, we try our best to have at least half of the convention available in both English and Spanish. And this last one, we try our best to have all the convention available in English as well for those who wanted to join that are not, that are not able to speak Spanish. And also, they'll not, not only thinking in the broader community of our past of the church, pastor leaderships and others that might be interested in learning more, for, more from the Hispanic ministry, but also even for our, our second and third generation families, because we have sons, daughters, and 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 that continue to grow in the church, but they are more, they have a, a foot in both worlds, and it'll, it, it'll be easier for even for them to, to, to connect and to, and to follow up if it's English available. Who typically attends the Hispanic National Convention? Yes, it's a wide range of people. So from pastors, deaconesses that are working with, I mean, in the nation with the Hispanic community. We have, and and, and I say a wide range because pastor deaconesses, not only Hispanics, but also we have some are are Anglo pastors that actually are bilingual and working with community in Spanish, so they also attend. We have people, sometimes we have representation from other countries, Venezuela or Mexico, or I mean, we have sometimes people coming from other places to join as well and be a part of this convention. We have even from our local missions and ministries, we usually tend to invite those who who the, the people that we are working with, sometimes we have people that are in the process of getting into the seminary and we invite those people as well, as well as seminary students. I mean, we, we basically invite and that has been connected to the Hispanic ministry and as well those who might be thinking on, on pursuing opening Hispanic missions or, or even churches that are thinking on developing an, a Hispanic outreach. So at least they can get an idea or, or they have an opportunity to, to chat with pastors and, and, and come back home and put some of these ideas in practice or, or thinking and praying about what the Lord is really moving them to, to do. So a wide, by, wide range of people that are coming to the, the, the convention. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Where are some places in the United States where Hispanic ministry is really growing right now? That's a good, that's a good question. I think historically, and even because of the population, I believe, Texas, California, Chicago, I mean, Illinois, I'm sorry. I mm-hmm. think these are the places, even Florida, I think there's places that are growing and the ministries are flourishing. But there is other areas that actually are, are being working hard and really uh looking for ways to continue to develop ministry. So I, I'll highlight these a few, 
But I know that our pastors and deacons are always looking for ways to continue to grow, not only their ministries, but even leadership, because it's important to raise new leadership in, in our ministries. Mm-hmm. What are some of the highlights from your most recent Hispanic National Convention? Yes, I think we have uh, we have experienced a great fellowship among people, and I believe the pastors, deaconesses, are were they were very hoping to get this time together. So we have to postpone it for a year because of the pandemic, and and people were really eager to come together and to to chat and to connect with each other. I think that's one of my highlights for for this convention. I don't want to, I don't want to, I have a few, but I, I want to start with that one. The second one, I think is the opportunity to connect with leadership at the district levels and even the Senate level in our Hispanic convention. So we have a good representation from the Senate and the district that actually allows to to provide not only information for for this uh, leadership too, but also to engage in different conversations and how to support, how to work together, how to invest and be more intentional on developing the relationship with the, the Hispanic community. I think that's another highlight. And the third one, I think the the Ignario Luterano, I think that's, uh, that's going to be a great tool for us. It's going to bring a, a blessing to, to our Hispanic community. And I, I, I'm very delighted to, to see that this is a, a, a risk. I mean, that the finally we have this in our hands. I think we, many of us were waiting for something like this for many, many years. And I think that says, I don't, I don't want to exaggerate, but it's, it's like a dream come, a dream, a dream come true for, for many of us. Yeah, talk a little bit more about Himnario Luterano. That's the new Spanish hymnal. And it's been, what, a 14, 17-year project or something. Just an amazing thing. What what was the reaction like to the Himnario Luterano? Because every, every convention attendee received one, is that right? Yes. And, and yeah, so the reaction was, I mean, a lot of excitement just to begin with. And I for for many of us, I think we were waiting for this to to be a reality. I mean, we have heard many times that well, this is coming, this is coming, and and we're yeah, sure, yeah, let's let's we'll, we'll be we'll be excited to have it in our hands. So so now that we have it, I think that that's going to be very beneficial, and especially I will say for those churches that are multicultural, because that that that's that's very helpful for. For, for this kind of church. I mean, for, for everyone, but it will be even in a double way beneficial for multicultural churches. So it's it's going to be a tool that not only help us to continue to grow, but even in a sense, a tool for, for, for teaching as well. And I think that's going to be a very... I, I can see that in the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of good feedback because... People will start using it and really using it in a different ways, forms and shapes. So I, 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 I'm eager to hear from from the people in our in our field and how this has been a blessing for them as well. So, our guest today, the Reverend Juan Zamora, president of the Hispanic National Convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Pastor Zamora, thank you so much for sharing these great stories with us today and being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Well, thank you for having me. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Wow.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.